0: If you hang out with us long enough, you'll start to believe in yourself
1: and realize that you're capable of anything. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back once again to Inner Bloom. I'm Alexa. I'm Ambrosia. Hi, everybody. And we're so excited to be joined today by Danielle Massey, who is a licensed psychotherapist, number one best-selling author, CEO of The Wellness Collective, and the leading expert on shadow work. Hi, Danielle, welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. So happy to have you. We were talking about offline how I guess we've been circling each other for a while now, and uh, you were talking about how one of your ShadowWorks students was just on our podcast, Pamela Chen, or Pamela Unicorn, as we call her.
2: Pamela Unicorn. <laughs> we love Pam, and her stuff is so potent, so full of light, so powerful. I'm just I, it's so in awe of her and everything she's been able to accomplish since I met her.
1: Yeah, yeah. She's... She's she's a bright light and an awesome testament of what you do, apparently. And we're so excited to get to know more about you and your story. And speaking of that, since it is your first time on the podcast, would love to hear more about your journey and how you got to be doing all of this wonderful stuff that you're doing now.
2: Thank you. Uh, Shadow work is one of those things that it kind of found me and I found it at the same time. I don't even know how to explain that. I was one of those kids who was really connected into spirit. My grandmother worked in the spiritual community. She was a healer. She used to help people heal from all kinds of physical ailments using these crazy machines. I don't even know. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that, but they were frequency machines. And my parents, when they realized I had some similar things going on, some similar gifts, Kept us as far apart as humanly possible because it terrified them. <laughs> they were so freaked out by her and what she does. And I joke now nah, she's passed. So I'm like, good, she can go haunt them for all the years that they did that. <laughs> 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 but um, when I was, jeez, I was 29 years old. I went through college for psychology and cognitive neuroscience. I was a therapist for 10 years at this point, and then at 29 years old, I got diagnosed with cervical cancer. And in that moment, it was like my entire life crumbled. Everything fell apart in a way that was catastrophic, like more than I ever anticipated my life could crumble. And in that darkness and like a very, very deep depression, that was when I re-found shadow work. It was something I'd learned about in psychology. And I was a professor at Penn State for a few years. I used to teach Carl Jung and shadow work, but it never felt like it was mine until that moment when I needed it. And then I started working with this woman, Alison Kelsey in the UK. She became my mentor. She was also a licensed psychotherapist and she taught me everything. And that was how I started really understanding what shadow work was really using it to ground myself and to heal from things that I'd been burying for three decades. And now I teach it to people all over the world.
0: Mm, wow. That's amazing.
2: Thanks.
1: It's re- it's really also like so interesting to hear how many people's um journey or like spiritual journey or shadow work journey starts with something that they could not ignore. Right. Like that crazy medical thing. Like that's how mine started. I've heard it from so many others. And, um, you know, it seems like and this is something that we were, Ambie and I were just talking about this earlier today, how, you know, humans, it's like the last thing we want to do is be uncomfortable. The last thing we want to do is put ourselves intentionally in an uncomfortable situation. And yet that seems to be the um, formula for like happiness and fulfillment and growth. And so would love if you can speak to a little bit about that as well as just shadow work in general. And like, what is shadow work? Because as we were talking about, there's a lot of people who don't even know what that is
2: yeah i think shadow work sounds scary and that's why people Mm -hmm. avoid it in the same way that doing anything related to trauma or to hard moments in our lives sounds scary it feels easier to just avoid it and hope it goes away and we convince ourselves that if we just keep walking one foot in front of the other that we can just move past things that time will heal but i don't think that's true and i used to see that as a therapist for over 10 years that time doesn't really heal the way that we want it to we just try and bury things a little bit more a little bit harder and when we repress like that we tend to get sick which is why i think so many of us who work as healers, find ourselves having those moments of sickness where we've been hiding from ourselves for so long we've been pushing this stuff away to such a degree that our bodies, our physiological system gets overwhelmed. And there's Mm -hmm. only so much that our body can take before it starts to have this stuff come up to the surface in one way or another. And I think that it happens differently to everybody based on your own genetics. Some people have really weak thyroids. some people have weak um, neurological structures, maybe they're going to have autoimmune like MS. For me, it was cancer. And that's why I think it ends up manifesting differently for all of us. We're not meant to bury. And there's ancient wisdom here, right? Like we know all about the ancient cultures who focused on healing and still to this day, those like really amazing cultures that take healing very seriously. And they use these practices all the time and they don't have the rates of disease like we do. I think there's something to be said for healing so all of that being said we did talk beforehand about how shadow work is like the most misused term i've ever seen on the internet because everybody thinks they know what it is and nobody actually knows what it is and i'm on a little bit of a mission to make sure that people understand exactly what it entails shadow work was coined by carl Jung in 1863 And what he meant when he said shadow was the unconscious mind. And our unconscious is the deepest level of our cognition. So we have the conscious mind, the stuff that we all know. So anybody watching us right now or listening to the podcast, you're aware of the fact that you're doing this active thing. Or maybe you're aware of what you ate for breakfast or what you watched last night before you went to sleep. Then there's the subconscious, and that's the stuff that's just below the surface. It's more like your autopilot mode, is your behaviors, it's the things that we do without thinking. So we can access the subconscious all the time. We just don't really like to because if we do, it's like, okay, like I binge eat when I watch Netflix, like that's a problem, mm-hmm. but like a problem for future me. So we're just not going to deal with that. That's subconscious right. stuff. The unconscious is every memory that you have that your brain is repressing and pushing down because it could have a specific type of effect. It could trigger you into uh, anxiety, depression. And the brain does this because if you remembered those things consciously all the time, we would all be very mentally ill. We're not meant to have these things in the forefront of our head 24 seven. But when we have so much information repressed in the unconscious mind, and it's constant, we start to have some of these things trickle up where we start having them seep into our dreams. We start having them come in flashes during our waking lives where we have those like fear-based thoughts that come up out of nowhere. So the process of shadow work is to go into that unconscious mind so that we can actively remember those moments while changing how they exist in our neurological structure, physiological structure, energetic structure, and emotional system. And when we do that, it changes everything.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. I So my question for you is, why is it, and is it safe, or does this happen for everybody? Why, when we go to therapy, or we start working with a coach, or we start working on these things, it feels like for me, like floods of memories come through, right? Yeah. And then my body is like, ah, do this anymore this isn't fun um so is it because we feel safe enough to process what's happening is it like kind of a ripple in uh, pet effect or how does that work
2: the way that the brain is structured it's kind of like a junk closet where we're essentially putting everything into this junk closet of the unconscious mind so when we open that door if there's a lot of stuff in there and it's like piled on top of each other and it's a little unbalanced, it is going to fall out. Yeah. Theoretically, in a perfect world, we would never let it get that high. We'd be healing for a long time. We'd be starting this when we're young so mm-hmm. that it would never get to the point where it just bombards you. But very often for most of us, because we're taught from society, from the media, from our families, not to deal when we open up that door, it tends to all come crashing out very quickly. And that's the reason why. Mm, makes sense. That makes sense.
1: And so what are the methods of shadow work? Speaking of that, you know, like what are the what are tools or strategies that would be considered shadow work? So there's shadow
0: work by yourself. Sorry, I want to no, that's
1: a good
2: question. I love these. Okay, Okay, so there's a lot of different ways to do shadow work. So I'll speak to my way first, the way that I was taught and the way that I teach in my new book is what I call the shadow seekers method. And for that, we're going to meditate to the point where we get to a specific brainwave state called theta. If anybody meditates on their own, you're slipping into theta every time you meditate. If you drift off to sleep, or if you daydream, you're in theta. Theta is very easy for us to get to. And we're still conscious enough that if you wanted to get up and walk away at any point you could, it's not hypnosis. So what I do with people is take them to that state. And once you're in theta, we revisit the memories, but we do it in a conscious way. There's something called the subconscious feedback loop, and this is getting deep, but the subconscious feedback loop is a four part structure. Actually not dissimilar to what you guys were talking to Pamela about a few weeks ago, when she was talking about those four pillars of manifestation. Mm -hmm. We have our experiences. So all the sensory pieces that we go through when we make a memory, we have the emotional system that's connected to those. We have the physiological system that gets the message from the emotions about how do we respond here? And then the thought that completes the loop. Those four pieces of the subconscious feedback loop create memories and then reinforce them. So every time you go through something that triggers you, your brain can go, oh, we've done this before. Let's do it again what we want to do with shadow work is we want to interrupt that feedback loop somewhere so we want to pick one of those points and we want to change it the way that i found is the easiest to change it is with the breath using your body so if we can really get into the body and change your physiology in that moment where we slow the breathing we keep your body relaxed we keep you calm it doesn't really matter what you're seeing it's not going to create that fear response that it did the first time or that anger or that sadness, because you're not allowing the chemicals that would create that reaction in the body to be emitted so we can interrupt it there. So that's what I do with people with shadow work. And the reason why I bring up Pam's conversation from a few episodes ago, is those are also her four pillars for how to manifest. Because if we can hack that subconscious feedback loop and change how whatever it is that you want to access in the quantum field exists in your experiences, your emotions, your body, and your thoughts, you can have whatever you want. It's the same process, forward facing instead of backward facing. So shadow work is okay to do alone, but I will give it this caveat in that if you do it alone and we have this door opened wide and everything comes spilling out, do you have the support structures in place to hold you after you do it? So if you don't, then I recommend working with somebody. But if you do, if you have a, a group of people that you talk to about these kind of things, if you have a licensed psychotherapist that you go to, if you have a coach who's there to hold your hand, if you have family who's supportive, you can absolutely do this by yourself. And I think we don't have to rely on other people all the time. You don't have to spend thousands of dollars to heal. You can do it yourself. We all have this wisdom within us. It's just up to you on what way would make it feel the safest, because safety is the most important piece of shadow work. And you mentioned before, other aspects of doing it, you can use hypnotherapy. I don't like hypnotherapy as much because of that piece where you can't just get up and walk away. Because for trauma survivors, we dissociate when we go through trauma very often. And it's recreating too much of that same scenario where like your soul isn't fully in your body. Mm -hmm. So for recreating it, it's harder to break that subconscious feedback loop. Plant medicines, another example. I love the use of plant medicine, like psilocybin and ayahuasca for the exact same purpose. But that would have to be done under really strict supervision, like going to someone who really knows their stuff because they can hold you and keep you safe. Because that like shadow work, the way I do it is like, let's rip the bandaid off slowly. That's like, let's just cut your body open and let you bleed out. (laughs) We can just purge it all, which is amazing and super powerful. But you need somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing when you do that.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I'd love to hear your take. Well, you just talked about it a little bit about disassociation. Cause I know that that is another hot hot button word right now that's been thrown around. Yeah. So I'd like to know like what, what you believe is happening both on a physical level and a spiritual level.
2: Totally. So the way that we're taught dissociation in school, when you're learning to be a therapist is the idea that it's like your brain is shutting down an aspect of itself. So your body is still activated, still on, but your brain is not. From a spiritual perspective, I don't think that's what's happening. And when I take people into shadow work, it's weird because my gift, the way that I do shadow work is that I can see what you see. So when you're going into a past life an ancient Egypt, I'm there over your shoulder like, yeah, this is so cool. I'm watching you with it. So when I see people dissociate in their memories, I see their soul leave their body where it's Mm. almost like it's slipping out momentarily very often in the room it's still there it's still aware of what's going on but there is that immediate disconnect where it's happening in two different places and my belief something that i see and something that quantum physics also replicates is the idea that our consciousness is the base of all human life of all existence of everything not matter Like there's something even smaller than our atoms, it's our consciousness. So we're dropped into these meat suits. We have these experiences. We leave, we move into that unconscious realm where our consciousness exists and gets to be free. And I think that's where a lot of your Steph ambrosia when you're connecting in with those and channeling those spirits that have passed on, you're connecting into that place with dissociation. It's like we temporarily go there. We're somewhere else. We're not in our bodies anymore. So when we do shadow work, my goal is really to put us back in the body and yeah. make sure that we're feeling it, but not feeling pain and sadness and heartache in those moments. We're trying to tap into our strength. We're trying to tap into our inner knowing that everything's going to be okay, as hard as that moment is, never making it smaller than what it is, because a lot of the stuff that I see is horrific, but just understanding that we have more power than we think. Mm,
1: that's so beautiful. And and How would somebody know that they need to do? Does everyone need to do shadow work, in your opinion? Or how does someone know, like, okay, it's time to do some shadow work around this? Because another another thing that I've noticed in this community is that it's very easy to fall into the trap of like that there's all I mean, of course, there is always something to work on. You're an ever evolving being, but kind of like. I need to heal. I need to heal this. I need to heal this. I need to heal this. So like, how does someone know when it's time to do some shadow work? There's
2: so much truth to what you just said. So first off, I believe everybody needs shadow work at some point, but it's not constant. We don't need it all the time. If you can get to the root of your issues, then we're healing them for the long term. And it's not going to be something that needs to be revisited constantly. So what I say to this is, do you feel in your body like there is something stuck Do you feel like there's something that needs to be released but you can't quite get to the root of what it is for me it was triggers I, i don't know about you guys but when i was younger when i was in my teen years i was triggered by everything and i think a little bit of that is hormones running wild and our bodies being crazy but it didn't really go away when i got into my 20s i was very easily triggered and I've learned now the root of all those things and I understand it more. But at the time, it just felt overwhelming and it felt like I couldn't find an answer. And I didn't really understand why I was so unbalanced. That for me is when we do shadow work. When you feel unbalanced, when you feel easily triggered, when it feels like there is something that's stuck and you can't find your way out of it, that's the time. And it feels really good to let it go.
0: Yeah, that's so true. I've been to, I've been. Uh, doing therapy for active therapy every week for almost a year now and we're starting to touch on somatic work and it is very uncomfortable because I've learned that because of my trauma I often disassociate or I often leave my body very easily Um, and it helps my job right I'm able to (laughs) connect to other beings but it doesn't help my human so it's really interesting. And I think for a long time, I was under the assumption that I'm spiritual and I don't, everything happens for a reason. So like, I don't have to go back to that, but I'd love to know your opinion about toxic positivity and just completely bypassing the shadow aspects. And then also, if you could talk a little bit about, um, a lot of people have different theories about um, not remembering your childhood right like or a traumatic event should i remember it should i not remember it i know you touched on it a little bit but i'd really like your professional opinion about that
2: yeah definitely okay kudos to you for going to therapy because first off it's not easy to do but i believe that is something that i feel like everybody should do all the time because therapy goes in ebbs and flows where sometimes Mm -hmm. it's about healing and sometimes it's just about having a space that's yours and if i didn't have a therapist when i was going through cancer it would have been so much worse i definitely recommend everybody does with your gifts and what you do it is so funny to me in like a really karmic ancestral beautiful kind of way how our traumas very often lead to our gifts and vice versa, our gifts can create our traumas because your ability to dissociate is probably how it's so easy for you to connect. And yet we would never wish trauma on anybody. We would never go mm-hmm. like this is something I really want in the same way that cancer, I think, led me to shadow work. And if I could go over and do it all again, I would because I'm so glad I found shadow work. But it wasn't fun when I was yeah. going through it. I wouldn't be excited to do it again. Uh, it's fascinating for me. With going through toxic positivity in the world that we live in now, where everybody feels like, and not everybody, that's an exaggeration, where so often we see that people are talking about really maintaining a positive mindset and having this focus on the good, Mm -hmm. what we're doing with that and something that I see all the time is that we are repressing into the unconscious mind we're pushing things down, and we're burying it from ourselves. And so unconsciously, we are creating more trauma, we're creating more repression, we're making things harder. So I often see people who come in for shadow work, who've been doing the toxic positivity stuff for a long time, because they either went to a therapist who really believed in positive mindset, and affirmations and mindset, it's just about the way that you think or a coach who tells them, you just need to think about what you want to manifest, just push onto the positive, just see yourself having it. And what happens is they get really anxious, or they start to get depressed, because it's not working. And they feel that in their bodies, it builds up, it collects, it becomes too heavy. So obviously, self serving for me, I think shadow work is amazing. And I think everybody should be doing it. But I think we need to strike a balance there's a level where we should be doing both of those things. We all have hard days, we all have hard moments, and it doesn't mean we need to dive into shadow work, but we also can't pretend like it doesn't exist. And like, we don't all have parts of ourselves that we wish weren't there. We wish moments in time went differently. And there's power in owning all aspects of the self because that's when we really become embodied, we become who we are and we feel good in that space.
0: Mm, that's beautiful that's so true i love the way that both work at the same time
2: yeah, yeah we don't have light without the dark and vice versa
0: exactly somewhere in the middle not too much one direction or the other because i have seen people that just continuously go for healing and healing and healing and my question to them is what are you trying to attain are you trying to attain perfectionism because that's an unrealistic uh, viewpoint or an unrealistic expectation of yourself. You know, that's a shadow in itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: It's like absolutely. a spiritual shadow. It, it's like yeah. that spiritual idea that if you can just pu- if you can just heal yourself enough, one day you'll be pure. One day you'll be all light. One day you'll be all clean, or whatever it is that we're made to believe in some weird way when we kind of get on this path. I feel like it's such a I I feel like it's almost like an unavoidable part of the spiritual experience when you first start doing this stuff, because of. it also has such like religious undertones and and, you know, just themes from our society. Right. Like maybe if you like repent enough, maybe if you do enough to fix it, maybe if you put enough energy in, you can just be this like clean absolved person and i think it's such a powerful thing when people realize and it was for me we're not trying to be this perfect clean um spotless person because that's we all have things that we've done and said and experienced that we that we're we probably wouldn't repeat you know but Mm -hmm. that's being human and so it goes into ambi what you were talking about earlier of like being a just a spiritual being versus being a spiritual being having the human experience and knowing that that's okay um, and so yeah i i think it's um I don't know. I lost my way. But
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think we're seeing this reflected out in social media too. like before, like, say, three years ago, it was all about Instagram and perfection and having Mm. everything be shiny and light. And even you saw it reflected in everywhere else, like people's home design. Everyone had white walls. And it was all about having this very clean, pure mental asylum aesthetic. (laughs) And shifted, right? Like now TikTok reigns above all the others. And I think the thing that people love about TikTok is that it's messy. Like it's me with like Cheeto dust on my face and a hoodie (laughs) on. Under a blanket after binge watching a TV show going, like, I just had a thought and like, Mm -hmm. let me share it with you guys. And the people who don't understand that don't do as well on those platforms because it looks like bullshit. And I think people can feel into Mm -hmm. that more. So I do think collectively we're moving into that space of acceptance and of understanding that we are all human and life is weird. And it gets weirder when we start to think into the spiritual spaces. And that's cool. We kind of like the weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you? I've been,
0: oh, go ahead, Alexa. Go ahead. No, no, you go. No, you go ahead because I was gonna
2: shift topics. You're so polite.
1: <laughs> no, no, you. Um, no, no. I was just gonna say it's. I've. Um, this year, I got diagnosed with OCD, and um, I got on medication, and it's just helped so much. And I did some OCD therapy, um, and and that helped a lot as well. Um, And I'm currently like working on the nursery for my baby that I'm about to have in, I don't know, one to three weeks, whenever he decides to come. Thank you. And um, I've noticed the ways that like my mind is starting to go back to that. It's almost like, okay, the nursery looks so good. If we could just fix this one, if I could just change this one thing over here I can feel the way it's like my brain is telling me, like, then everything would be perfect. Then everything would be safe And then I'm like, think- I'm thinking about a certain way of like parenting and stuff. And I'm like, OK, if I can just learn all the ways, if I can just like really memorize this and get it down, then it's going to be perfect. And I've had the opportunity to tell myself, like, it's not going to be perfect and you don't want it to be perfect. And it's an unrealistic idea. And you it, you guess what you get to just be in this moment like you get hmm. to just exist and make mistakes and it not be perfect and um and i think that's that's what we were talking about earlier how this it's like a a shadow that's the shadow in itself right that idea of perfectionism that we're never going to achieve um so i just was adding that on and what is perfectionism anyway you know what I mean? Like what is perfect? <laughs> exactly.
2: It changes all this time. Our definition of perfect is fluid. And what was perfect mm-hmm. in 1802 is not even close to what's perfect now. So who decides? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, wait, Andy, before you move on to that, uh, didn't you ask another question? You asked like two questions earlier.
0: I did. Yeah. So I talked to a lot of people. I have a lot of friends and I talked to a lot of people that were like, no, I had a great childhood oh, and wow. they don't have memories of their child. Like I have really detailed memories from the time I was like three or four, which is great, but also a curse. I digress. Not the point. (laughs) The point is, the point is I can remember a lot of things, but I get sidetracked very easily. And I can't tell you what I ate for lunch yesterday, but I can remember a lot of like important information. So I'm so curious, like how I know that the brain gets or hides the trauma right but what if it's not a traumatic event necessarily and it's just chunks of your childhood that you don't remember
2: yeah so i I, my background is in cognitive neuroscience i studied it in school and i went on to teach abnormal psychology at penn state and this was a topic that came up every semester in every class that i taught because there'd be kids who don't have memories before nine Mm. some before 15 and some who have really good memories as kids and don't have good memories now. And they would take exams and feel like they couldn't hold on to the information that I just taught them. Mm-hmm. That's mean is weird, right? And one of my first cognitive neuroscience professors actually said, everything I'm teaching you today is already outdated because we don't know a lot about the way that our brains work. The way that we understand memory at this point is almost like a computer system, where every piece of data that's input into the brain is stored in a few different places. And our brains really like having categories in which to drop information into. Mm. We have the unconscious mind, we have the subconscious, we have the conscious, we have your working memory, which is going to hold on to stuff for a little while. We have the long term memories that are going to hold really strong for the long term. And the way that information gets sorted into each of these different boxes has a lot to do with trauma, because when a trauma occurs, when you're a kid, very often, it's almost like forcing everything that exists in the other boxes all into the unconscious mind box, because Mm -hmm. your brain is like, I can't deal with all of this right now. It's too much for my tiny processes to handle. And so Mm -hmm. I just need to wipe the slate clean and put that somewhere else. So all the memories from before for someone who doesn't remember, they're all there. They're just in the unconscious now when they weren't before. They just got Mm -hmm. pushed into a different box. Mm -hmm. When your boxes are all pretty full as an adult, where like your unconscious is pretty full, your working memory, your long-term memories, subconscious conscious you have a harder time remembering the things that are happening right now because it's like everything's kind of at capacity so when you feel like that something that can be really helpful is getting things out of your head and putting them somewhere else so practice this, like journaling because your brain is weirdly afraid that it won't remember stuff and that it's like constantly bringing in new information like where does this need to go the more you can get it out of the body The more you can get it onto paper and somewhere else, the better off you'll be for that. But that's the reason why some of us have really prominent, like detailed visions of what happened to us when we're young. Hmm. Three is the age that we're supposed to have memories from. If you have memories from the time that you're three, you're right on point. Before that, though, the information is still in the unconscious mind. We can remember during shadow work sessions, moments of being in the womb. We can remember what it was like to be born. It's weird. And I've seen it and wild in the same way that we can access space in between lives because we're only limited by this body if we allow ourselves to be because our consciousness Mm -hmm. is separate from it. So we can remember what happened to us before. We can access those past lives. We can access the space between lives and see what that was like. And I don't really believe in the fact that things are linear. I don't necessarily think it's like the past happened, then this happened, and now we're here. I think it's all Mm -hmm. happening at once. So if we were to take a piece of paper and like fold it in on itself, it's like it's just poking through the layers and pulling from other places. But the brain does get overwhelmed as far as we know right now. But information is still coming out. Research is still being done. And from a a really nerdy perspective, I'm excited to see where it goes to understand more of these processes, because the more we learn, the more we're going to be able to help ourselves heal and release and hopefully not get stuck in that healing process that can feel never ending, even though it shouldn't.
0: That's neat. I I don't know. I say I read somewhere, but I don't read.
1: So let's be honest. (laughs)
0: Um, But I I heard somewhere somewhere, on
1: TikTok.
0: (laughs) I heard somewhere that the visual input that we get, we actually only absorb like 9% of it. Like it's a very minuscule amount because your brain can't actually process everything that you see in your waking day.
2: That's true. And in fact, very often, and this is a sad fact, but a fact nonetheless if someone has a crime committed against them, even if it's something where you're staring the person who did it to you in the face, it's very rare to be able to pull the person out of a lineup. Because even though you believe you know what they look like, your brain can only retain that small portion of that visual information. It might Mm. be different if you were up against them again and you have all that sensory input. So You can smell, you can feel the feeling of what it felt like if they touched your arm. It might be different then. But just having the visual input usually isn't enough. Mm. Our brains are wild that way mm-hmm.
1: that Yeah like our I don't know if this is saying the same thing Ambie just said but in a different way Or if this is a different fact But it's like um, I always thought Because I heard somewhere on TikTok Or somewhere That um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that like our brain is actually Filling in so much Like there's there's Like when we're looking around We think that we're seeing it all Like we're literally seeing all, all of it But it's just our brain is filling it in because that's the fastest way to um, I don't know, like process. It's like kind of like a video game, right? It's like when you're playing a video game, the game is like filling in the space as you're going down the space. It's not that the game exists all at one time, if that makes sense. Um, So, yeah, it is really crazy to think about things like that and realize that we don't always know exactly what we saw or exactly what we experienced. Same way when you're arguing with someone or you're like, no, you said that. You said exactly (laughs) that. It's like you'll go around in circles forever because in their world, they didn't. And... You know, I mean, if you have a video camera, that's that's a different story. But, you know, it could also be the whole thing about what you're talking about, like the nonlinear parallel realities of like, well, this is my experience and that's Mm -hmm. your experience is my reality. Mm -hmm. and That's your reality. Yeah, it's just interesting how much time we spend kind of debating what the truth is of certain things when it's, you know, so everything's subjective. Yeah,
2: everything is subjective. Mm -hmm. I'm a manifesting generator too. So we're already like that. Like it's already like, give me 5% of the information. I'll fill in the blanks. And that's just how I am to a T, like how my life works. So something I like to do for myself is to just slow down and stare at something very intentionally and notice the details. Like if I'm sitting out on my front step I'm looking at a tree, I'm not like, okay, like that's tree and I'm moving on. I want to actually see it. I want to see the leaves. I want to see the way that they are turning a different color right now because you can see the green on the one part, Mm -hmm. but it's like that brownish red color at the end. I really try to take my time and Mm -hmm. still probably the majority of that is going to get thrown out in my brain. It's just (laughs) not going to feel necessary, but it's a mindful practice I like to use just to feel more grounded.
1: Yeah, I think that's That's a really good exercise. It's really simple and it's just you sharing that. I'm like, yeah, I I breeze through everything so fast Mm
2: -hmm. and it's
1: like no wonder we feel so. Um, I don't know, rushed. rushed, disconnected, unfulfilled. Like life is not like colorful enough, or you know, like exciting enough. Like no wonder. Like there, because you you'll you notice this. Speaking of plant medicine, if you ever do mushrooms or LSD or anything like that, suddenly a blade of grass could. You're like this whole time. This whole time. <laughs> This blade of grass, like I've just found myself staring at a blade of grass and touching the blade of grass and being in awe of just something so simple and so small where I could stare at it for an hour, you know, because Mm -hmm. I feel like there's so many, so much depth and so many layers. And I'm not saying that without that medicine, I could necessarily have that same experience. Maybe I could. I don't know. But the point is, I think when you allow yourself to have those experiences, you realize how much depth there are, to, how much depth there is to life that we're not seeing at all. And we're not Absolutely. waking up.
2: Yeah. And Ambrosia, I wonder if when you have your experiences, when you're connecting in and channeling with spirits, if you get to have those moments where they tell you they wish they did more of that or if they do more of that now.
0: You know, what's interesting is that that is usually something that's not talked about. I have a little visitor here who got hurt. Um, But but what is interesting is they're more concerned about us Mm. and what's going on, especially during the height of the pandemic, the spirits were definitely more concerned about us. Um, But they do the common theme that they say is it goes by quick. So take your time. Yeah. And um, what I've also found is that everybody's experience of death or everybody's experience of what happens after you die is different based on the individual, which I think is fascinating.
1: Absolutely. Hope you feel better, Ollie. Oh, he sick. can't hear me right now.
2: Um. <laughs> my kids are actually not here today. They're visiting grandma. And I was like, oh, good. Because when they're home, especially during the <laughs> summer, I swear to you, they sit outside my door like, is she done? Is she oh. done? <laughs> okay,
1: Are yep. you done? <laughs> Yep. That's, uh, I feel like Yambi goes through that as well.
0: Um, <laughs> sure do. Sure do. It's a little too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's funny is that I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with a mom, but it's always like. We're talking, we're multiple talking. Conversations. Be quiet. We're talking. Yeah. <laughs> it's always multiple conversations. My question that I wanted to ask you speaking of like me bringing in the pandemic, the trauma that we collectively went through in 2020, genuinely not knowing if we were going to survive, genuinely not knowing what was going to happen as a collective, how do you feel like uh Because I feel like after that, more mental health awareness has been really coming to the surface and more mental health um, issues have been brought up. Not that they weren't there before, but now they're just being talked about and more shadow work, obviously. So what are your thoughts on that? And how does someone know that maybe they still have those fears or that it's something that they still need to work through?
2: You know how we were talking early in the podcast about like so many people who get into spirituality or into healing have these moments where they get sick and it's like their whole world has to change and then they get better exponentially because now they know what to look for and how to deal with it and they can't hide anymore. That's what the pandemic felt like for me, where it was like, this is the lowest that we can go. We're going to have this massive shift that's going to ruin things and really bring mortality up to the surface. And everyone's going to have to take a cold, hard look at themselves and go, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what it did. And as horrific as a lot of it was and how terrible things were there have been really big adjustments in different directions. Things like really paying attention to the Black Lives Matter movement and understanding that there are voices that need to be heard. AAPI Voices too came out last year with mm-hmm. so much attention being given to that in a way that maybe the media wasn't paying attention before. There were people who were going through mental health struggles at work, but because everybody just has the nine to five and you have to clock in and clock out, it was acknowledged. And now we have people working from home all the time. Companies that are changing their strategy to four-day work weeks instead of five. Mm -hmm. So I think on a collective level, that's shadow work. That's what this all was, where all this stuff that we've been hiding and repressing and burying down was like, well, you can't hide from me anymore. Now you have to deal with it. And people did, and some people didn't. Mm -hmm. Some people really worked hard to go, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready to go there. I'm not ready to feel this in my body. And they worked hard to press it down again. And I think the people who did that, um, they might be going through some things now where it's like surfacing, it comes back up, it kind of slips like that, junk closet we talked about where if like we open that door like things want to rush out and for some people it's okay because everybody's human experience is different some people aren't meant to do that this time maybe they'll do it in the next go around who knows it's got to be your own personal journey whenever feels right for you even if it's a collective shadow that had the capacity to move people if they were ready Mm.
1: that's a good point everybody at their own pace yeah I also love that we're kind of ending on that—that that, like we've all been through. Like, if you if you think you haven't done shadow work, or you think, or you don't know what shadow work is, we actually all have been through a big. You've done it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of shadow work because it was unignorable. Like you said, like there was no there was no escaping. There is no escaping yourself, you know, because mm-hmm. um, there was nowhere to go. So um, Danielle this has been so awesome and educational too thank you for teaching us so many things or teaching me like i felt like i learned a lot about yeah. the brain and consciousness and it's just really i think like you you said earlier in some capacity it's really nice to have like both perspectives like the spiritual perspective along with like neuroscience and like literally like and psych- psychology and psychotherapy like how this actually works um so I know that you have a new book coming out and I'm sure some other things. So why don't you tell people a little bit about that and how they can get it and any other way they can interact with you.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I love putting my my old professor hat back on because I'm not working as a professor anymore. So I like to teach people in different ways. And one of those is the book, Shadow Work. It's called Shadow Work to make it super easy for you to find it. You can get it on Barnes and Noble and Amazon. It's available right now for pre order. And everybody who pre orders it gets to come to the free virtual book release party where we're going to be doing some live group shadow work. We're also going to pull in some other practices like. Kundalini, which I feel like works beautifully hand in hand with shadow work, just clear some of that energy that we brought up to the surface and allow the body a little bit of space to heal. We'll be doing live Q&A and I'll have some other authors and podcasters on there who are going to be guest speaking. It's just going to be a fun night. And then in terms of working with me, I have an announcement that's gonna come at the end of that virtual book release party of a new way to work with me, which is super fun. And I have my group shadow work program, Create Your Light, that's always open for enrollment. We run it a quarterly throughout the year, just helping people really, if they need that support, if they need that structure and they need a place to make them feel safe as they go through it, I'm there for you every step of the way.
1: Mm, Beautiful. So nice. It's so nice that you have all of those resources, um, because I'm sure this conversation, if this is kind of a new thing to people, people are probably going like, "But where do I start?" So it's so great that you have all of these different ways that you can get support, and I think community, you know, like the last thing you touched on, especially, is just more important than ever now. And I think we—that's another product of the pandemic—is realizing how. how helpful it is, how helpful it is to be in a space where you don't feel judged and you feel like people understand you and can talk to you about whatever it is that you're going through. So, um, well, how can people, how, is it through your website or how can people, uh, do like the pre-order and also like the, the group that you talked about?
2: Yeah, my website, my Instagram and my TikTok are all the same. They're IAM, like I am Danielle Massey. So, my website's I'm Daniel Massey. My TikTok and my Instagram are at I am Daniel Massey, and I'm happy to answer any questions that you have through there. And on my website, you'll find the link to pre order and get that virtual book release ticket. And if you are confused about shadow work or you want to know the step by step of how to do it, the book breaks it down to make it so digestible and so easy. There's no way you'll walk away without having all of the answers that you're looking for. Mm, that's
1: awesome. Beautiful. So perfect. And uh, yeah, we will put all of Danielle's information in our show notes. So if you are listening to this on the audio version, just go to the show notes and you can click on her links and go directly there. Um, And Danielle, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you feel called to share? You shared so much, but anything else that you want to share before we sign (laughs) off?
2: No, thank you guys for having me. This is a blast. And um, I can't wait to hear from everybody who's listening to this. I'm happy to answer any questions they may have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to have you back sometime too. This was so nice connecting and thank you for being here. I love that. Thanks guys. Hey guys, it's Alexa here. We are not done with this episode yet. Um, Right after we got off recording with Danielle, something in me was telling me to ask her where she lived um, and turns out she lives very close to me and she is The um, founder of an event called Selfish Philly. It's a self-care event that happens every year for the past three years. It is... Such an awesome event. And um, I was after we got off, I was like, oh, man, you should have talked about the event. She's like, yeah, I just had no idea you guys were local. And I was like, yeah. So I asked her to send me some voice messages um, explaining the event. For those of you who are close to the Philly area might be interested because it's coming up right in the beginning of October. So here is Danielle uh, pitching her event.
2: One of my visions with shadow work is to really help people understand all the resources that they have to heal and to completely change their lives through intention. And a way that I wanted to bring that into more of a physical, tangible space is through an event that I host every year called Selfish Philly. With Selfish, what we do is we bring the best of the best of health and wellness resources from doctors to mediums and bring them all under one roof so you understand what your support structures look like so that you can journey through your own healing process in whatever way feels best. This year the event's going to be held on october 2nd at the same location we had it at last year which is the beautiful view on 50 at 1717 Arch street and in that space we'll have speakers sound healers paddles that are going to talk about things like womb healing and grief we're going to have spa services that you'll be able to access for free yummy nurturing foods to help you feel good movement classes to be able to tap into your body's amazing systems and really remember the wisdom that it holds. Everything about this event is meant to transform you, and it's happening again this year on October 2nd from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. For anyone who's listening to this from the Philadelphia area, we would love to see you there.